The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lucas Lectures. It's me, Veteran Lucas. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day, and especially night, if you're listening to Days Out, because this is the last day of the year. Let's go. Goodbye, 2021. Hello, 2022. Oh, my goodness. It is. It has been a trip. These last two years, especially, every time the new year comes up, obviously, people get excited and happy, but especially with 2020 and 2021, Nobody I have met is sad to see them go, and I mean nobody. Now, despite what most people might think, whenever you guys leave a review or a comment on our iTunes or on Twitter or Facebook, we actually do read them, all of them, and we got a really interesting question about the Pokemon Towers, and I kind of want to read a section of it for you here. I always assumed that the game implied that your Pokemon can't die. So naturally, I applied that to technically all Pokemon can't die. They just pass out or blackout when HP reaches zero. I've been a Pokemon fan since I played the original Red back when it was released on the Game Boy. To this day, I don't understand what purpose of the graves in the tower were for if Pokemon don't die. Unless it was originally meant to imply that Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar were the result of souls of unrested Pokemon in the tower. So this comment struck a chord with me, and to answer the question in short, yeah, Pokemon can totally die. Uh, they are just as mortal as anybody else. The reason they have the fainting mechanic in battle is because you can't have people killing each other's pets. That's messed up. So they made it so that way the Pokemon pull their punches in most cases when they're in a fight. Which happens a lot in nature too. Most animals do not go full force when they're attacking another animal. Unless it's something to do with their food. Because they don't want to strain or hurt themselves. But today, I kind of want to go over this. The last day of the year. Let's talk about death in the Pokemon world. Let's talk about the different ways the dead are treated and what happens if you don't bury them. And I want to do this because it's a it's the dying year. The year is going away. We're burying it in the ground. Let's see what new life can come from a new year by exploring what new life can come from death. So in the Pokemon world, if you or your Pokemon dies, there are two ways your bodies will be disposed. If you are in the first five regions, you're going to go into a tower. But if you are in Kalos, Alola, or Galar, you're actually going to end up in your classic Western-style graveyard. Aside from Unova, all the other regions with the Pokemon Tower are going to be the ones that are based on Japanese regions. I feel like with Gen 5, they kind of made it America, but they still threw in a little bit of Japanese stuff here and there. It wasn't until Kalos and Alola and Galar where they truly went into the idea that this is a completely different region or country of origin for them. Anywho, in Japanese culture, when you get buried, most of the people are going to be cremated. In fact, over 99% of all bodies in Japan are cremated. Despite being mostly secular, a lot of these burials are steeped in Buddhist traditions, even if the family doesn't inherently believe in all of the traditions and customs of Buddhism. 
Now, in Japanese funerals, there's a lot of different steps, a lot of different processes in the mourning period, a lot of different rules on what to wear and what to eat. But the one thing I want to focus on, which I find it so interesting, at the cremation, you and the family are present for it. You go and you, you say your last goodbyes, you put them in the box, and you watch them get cremated. Then you go away until they call you back. After the cremation, special chopsticks are used to pick up the leftover bones and collect them into one or several urns. Uh, a friend of a friend had to go and experience one of these for the first time, and they did not know that after the cremation, you're going to have to help collect the bones of your deceased relative or friend, and that was very haunting for them. In our culture, it's definitely a little bit different when it comes to our cremations. We put the ashes in an urn or we throw it out to sea. But for them, you either are going to keep the urn in your home for a few days with the bones and ashes, or you're going to place it directly into the family cemetery. Now, the reason that they are going to be in a tower more than anything else is because of space. In Japan, space is always going to be limited you have to build smaller apartments you have to build taller buildings because spreading out on a wider range is going to be not only more difficult but also more expensive so in pokemon they have the towers it's much easier just to bury your family's pets in this giant tower than to have them in this spread out graveyard in the last six regions they have been western influenced so naturally they're going to stick to the western style graveyard uh, they are going to bury the bodies six feet down, cover them with dirt. Given where most of our audience lives, I'm pretty sure you understand how a Western-style burial works. Although it is to be noted that cremations have definitely picked up over the last century. Maybe it's more of a cost thing, given how expensive a Western funeral can get. Never look at the price of a coffin before your time, because to be honest, you're going to be really glad you're passed away when you have to see just how much that wooden box is going to cost you. Now... In the Pokemon Towers, like I said, it's going to be more about space. So having the urns in there, having the ashes of your dead Pokemon makes a lot of sense. In Western graveyards, mostly the bodies are kept intact. So I would think it would be really cool to see what these graveyards look like in Pokemon. Because if you have a Snorlax, you're going to have to dig this massive hole and cover it up. It's going to take so much space. Whereas a Joltik can fit into a shoebox. I actually think you can fit like three Joltiks inside of a shoebox and just bury it over to the side yard and no one's going to notice. Now the other thing that really makes it important to have a designated graveyard in Pokemon are ghost types. Because most ghost types, for whatever reason, occur when the spirits just don't want to leave but also want to beat the crap out of stuff. So you have your maidens and you have your spirit people who are going to be wandering the graveyards trying to fight ghost types or trying to keep them at peace. All the burial traditions need to be kept in Pokemon. You can't defer to any other method because if you make the spirits angry, it turns into a Pokemon and then starts wrecking havoc on the neighborhood. I think that's one of the main reasons that you could have a graveyard in the Pokemon world or a tower because then you can just kind of isolate all of the dead into one spot you can keep all the ghosts in one place and then you can advertise the trainer like hey kid you want to catch yourself the unholy abomination that sprouted from my dead grandmother grab a pokeball go in the tower clear it out for us i mean that just seems like a really good way to just kind of be a ghostbuster to be honest if you didn't have the spirit maidens out there doing their job all of pokemon would just look like the final act of the first ghostbusters movie
So we understand what happens to a Pokemon uh, if it dies in our arms. If it's a domesticated Pokemon that we raise, it passes on. What happens to the wild ones? What happens in the tall grasses, the caves, and the lakes when a Pokemon just passes away from old age or gets sick or gets stepped on by a Tyranitar? To be perfectly honest, anytime a Tyranitar gets angry, it probably kills a whole bunch of stuff, including Pokemon. In our world, once an organism dies, it goes through a decaying process where it will break down slowly over the coming months and sometimes years. Death is something we see as an end. In most of our cultures, we do not enjoy looking at it or thinking about death. We see it as the end, the finish, done. But for many organisms, it's a chance for a beginning. Many animals, such as flies and vultures, require death in order to either procreate or feed. If that sounds really gross to you, remember, flies do most of the pollinating on this planet after beetles, and vultures pick up the bodies and clean unintentionally, preventing disease from spreading. Without these decay-loving organisms, without these detritivores, the world we live in would be devoid of life. Without death, there is no life, and that's the cool thing about nature. My favorite death in the world is that of when a blue whale just keels over from old age. When a whale dies of natural causes, it will float for a while filled with buildup of gases and what have you and sink down to the deep dark abyss. Throughout the entire process, thousands of organisms will feed on it, including bony fish, sharks, octopuses, crabs, worms, sea stars, and more. A dead whale at the bottom of the ocean literally becomes an entire temporary ecosystem for life. There is an amazing episode, I think it's Blue Planet Season 2, Episode 2, where they just have a filmmaker watching this whale decay over like six months. It is so cool to see all the life that comes to feed on it. The other death that I really like is that of wildebeests and zebra during the river crossing through their migration in Kenya and Tanzania. I have made no secret to the fact that I hate zebras, but that's not the reason why this is one of my favorites. People will watch the animal documentaries of these zebras trying to cross the river, and they'll see the crocodile, like, jump out and eat the zebras, and they're like, oh no, that poor zebra, and, you know, you have a right to think that. It's, it's filmed that way, it's recorded that way, you're manipulated into being on the zebra side, I get it. But what they don't show you are the other zebras that don't get eaten and just straight up drown because they panic and because they, they just a little too young and they can't swim as well. All of the zebras and all the wildebeests that pass away in that river system, the biomass that they generate is equivalent to 10 blue whales just being dropped into the river. All of that meat is going to float down the river and feed every single fish. It is going to be tons of insect and insect larva. Tons of amphibians are going to nibble on it here and there. You're going to have entire bridges made of meat so hyenas and cheetahs can cross over that river. That entire river is chocked full of dead zebras and wildebeest, and it's going to be a beautiful place for all these organisms to thrive for the next year to the next migration. That's a big problem we're seeing. If we lose that migration, the entire river ecosystem would collapse because all that food is gone. Admittedly, it's a bit more morbid than most people like, but it is important to understand that in nature, you can get some pretty cool stuff after things pass away. But what would happen to the Pokemon? 
Because Pokemon, it gets real complicated since some of them, well, most of them are made of some kind of meat and others are literally rocks that came to life. For your basic organic Pokemon, I think it would function much the same as our world uh, with some twists. You know, it would have a buildup of gases and bacteria. It would break down slowly, get eaten by carnivores and detritivores, anything that eats dead stuff, and eventually fade away. But, again, the twist comes from what types you're dealing with. If you have a fire type specifically, taking care of that body would be a top priority because as you die, you would get a buildup of bacteria. And that gas that can be generated is flammable. Do you really want to see what happens if the fire type that's decaying explodes? We have instances of animals bursting, including whales, where whales just explode and fill with gas and chunks of whale go everywhere. It's not pleasant. I don't want to see that in a fire type where it's just died in the woods and then, I don't know, two weeks later, you just see a boom and a forest fire starts. Now, you got to make sure you take care of that thing real quick. Poison types would also be just as volatile. Imagine if they explode instead of a fire bomb that goes off. It's a dirty bomb that goes off and kills half a forest because the salazzle wasn't taken care of properly. Being a fire poison type, salazzle would actually be one of the most dangerous bodies to deal with. You don't want to go near her. Now, if you're a trainer looking for grass and bug type Pokemon, you might want to find some dead plant Pokemon as well, some dead grass types out there, because that would be a darn boon for you. Plants often grow on dead material to gain nutrients, and bugs are going to be attracted to the smell of decay as a place to feed and or lay eggs. In the ocean, nothing's going to last in the Pokemon Ocean. The Pokemon Ocean is one of the most volatile, dangerous places to live, because unlike our ocean, where most of the life stays near the coast and near the shoreline, Pokemon just live anywhere in the ocean like it's always going to be chock full of tentacles and sharpedos and magic carps. It's going to be filled with all kinds of life no matter where you go. If something dies in the Pokemon waterways, it's going to get consumed quickly. It's going to be terrifying to watch. You're not going to have this gentle waylord floating in the ocean as it passed away. No, the sharpedos are going to tear it till it's nothing but bones. With the organics out of the way, we kind of have to worry about the inorganics. Uh, rock types would be really interesting, especially onyx. If a rock type dies, the exterior is not going to easily decay like us because we are made of squishy meat. They are made of a much harder stuff, at least on the exterior. The layer of rock is going to stay even if the interior starts to rot. Uh, this means a dead onyx would make an amazing home for a ton of small Pokemon that would also provide cover from predators. If you could get inside the onyx somehow, if it died with its mouth open or you were able to eat away into the eye or something, you would be able to find all kinds of meat there as it decayed. An onyx would be an amazing find for any wild Pokemon because it's a safe home as well as a free buffet if you can get inside. Uh, steel types would be something similar as well. Once they pass, they don't really walk away, although they could rust, or more terrifyingly, if they're made of any sort of metal or composition that could be a bit more dangerous if left out in the wild, let's say a colossal passes away, that dirty coal is going to make its way through rain into the water system, so they have to be disposed properly. Eventually, things like uh, agron would rust, and that could also lead to some chemical leakage into the soil. Actually, when you think about it, if you just left a steel type there to rot, 
all that metal like eventually dissolving to the soil could kill off an entire patch of forest. That ain't great. Now, if there are any Pokemon mass migrations, there's a real good chance that some of them are also going to die along the way. But that would also mean that there's a ton of Pokemon that depend on that migration for food. Uh, let's put it to you this way. If there is a Butterfree migration, there's also going to be a bunch of Spearow who are going to attack them along the way. If you have a Basculin migration from Unova to Sinnoh, you're going to have a ton of Sharpedo there as well. Animals adapt to migration systems to feed off of them. The only animals that I think have kind of beaten that system are the cicadas who wait 29 or so years to like get out of the ground. 17 to 29. I can't remember which of the two at the top of my head. But anyway, either of those two that usually fools the predator enough that they're not going to specifically wait 17 years. Only humans are that crazy. Of course, the biggest issue, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be the ghost types. So cleanup is going to be real important. The most likely reason that all these traditions for cremation and burial exist in the game is to not only remove the 800-pound dead Snorlax that died of a heart attack, the next time you see a janitor in the Pokemon game or a spirit medium in the game, please thank them. Because without them, we would have had a lot more ghost types roaming around because apparently even the slightest disgruntled Pokemon at its fate could turn into a monster. The slightest disgruntled human can turn into a ghost type. It's terrifying. Anyway, the point is, if you are going to be talking about death in the Pokemon world, yes, things can die. Yes, they are going to be a problem if you don't take care of them properly. And yes, watching something decay and die over time in Pokemon would be fascinating from a scientific standpoint. Now, this is the last episode of the year. And again, the reason I chose this topic is because at the end of the year, we are all filled with some kind of regret or distress over what we haven't done. The year is gone, the year is dead, and I did not do blank. But for me, when the old year dies, the new year begins. You will learn from what you did this year. You will learn what you did not do this year, and you will put it forward to the next if you're smart about it. In nature, whatever reality you find yourself enjoying nature in, it does the same thing. So just remember that as you go into this new year. Happy New Year, everybody. And make sure to keep an eye on your pets when the fireworks go off because I really want to make sure that no one keeps losing their pets. Dead serious. That's a huge thing. Look it up on New Year's Eve. Also, if you got a designated driver, buy them a nice dinner. They're working hard for your enjoyment. This was a great episode to record, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful start to the new year. We will see you guys again with a whole bunch of new stuff. Peace!